Welcome to Offscreen Babble with Shada and Kyle, where we talk about TV shows and movies we've seen recently. Today is episode 119, Run Season 1 Episode 3 Recap, Bad Education, Middle Ditch and Schwartz, We're Here, Circus of Books, Coronavirus Explained, Dummy, and Homeland Season 8 Finale. And if you're a returning listener, please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and also make sure to subscribe. And make sure to check out our show notes where you can see what we talk about at what time so you can skip ahead and avoid spoilers. All right, we are going to do our recap of Run, episode three. Uh, We've been recapping every episode. If you missed one, you can go back and look at the previous episode. Uh, This will include spoilers, so let's get into it. Uh, This episode starts with a flashback of 12 years ago, I guess, on... Okay, her name is Ruby. Yeah. Yes, I keep wanting to say the actors' names, but okay. Ruby's wedding day. And she actually texted Run, and it looks like he never texted back. So technically, she was the first person to ever text Run, at least according to the information that's been given to us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that she texted that on her wedding day. Yep. Everybody's there, and she texted Run. Um, It seems like also the relationship that she had with Billy was something that even her mom knew about. Maybe she didn't know about the run scenario. I I doubt it. But she maybe knew how intense the relationship was because she said, has he texted today? Yeah, so I was wondering if she meant him. I I have a feeling she meant him and maybe knew, like, okay, you guys were obsessed with each other, but she can't not. she, She didn't know about the run agreement yeah i would right? assume not I, yeah i can't think yeah so that's crazy unless so anyway. she like texted run the day before and she told her mom he didn't answer and then we she saw texted. her text the yeah. Run. Yeah, yeah 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 so anyway that's a little bit of a flashback into ruby and her backstory that she got married or even on her wedding day she was thinking about billy 12 years ago um then we get back to present day um, Ruby is trying to get on the train after leaving on the train after episode two ended in the most crazy, dramatic way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she realizes like, oh, crap, uh, let me get back on the train. She can't. But then um, Billy sees her. He has her train ticket and then is like, let's just spend a day here in Chicago. And, you know, I he. He doesn't ever say, I'm sorry. The whole reason why she left the train was because he was being a dick. Mm-hmm. So he never really says, I'm sorry, but he almost gets there and basically is like, I want to get to know you more now. So let's spend the day together getting to know each other. And then we can decide if we want to part ways. Right. Yeah. Slash. Let's just have sex right now. Well, she's the one who says that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So uh, in the middle of them, she's like, okay, I want to find out when the next train ticket or train is. She goes inside. He's outside and he's texting Fiona right after he had just told Ruby, we're not going to use our phones anymore. Let's not use our phones. But clearly he still has his phone on. Fiona is basically like, I know. Oh, welcome to Chicago. 
I know you're there, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, how do you know I'm there? Are you like tracking my credit cards? Um, Billy doesn't obviously tell Ruby that he's having these text conversations with her and they, Ruby and Billy kind of go off. They're having like a cutesy moment. He is basically, or I guess Ruby says, let's have sex. Then they quickly hit the reality of neither of them have money. Um, <laughs> the saddest part was Ruby pulling out that really old crinkly check thinking she could pay for the hotel. Oh, and she like ripped it too much. It was like, Oy, it was yay. painful. Um, but then also Billy is like, oh, I don't have a credit card. But it's like, but you just asked Fiona, are you tracking my credit cards to follow me? So he's lying. And like, mm. they are both lying, right? But he seems to be lying extra. Like, there's something. I'm assuming he said, I I, uh, I don't have a credit card because he thought she was tracking his credit cards. So he didn't want to put oh, it on his credit okay. card. Okay, sure, 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 sure. Um. He goes to the bank, he gets money, or he tries to get money out. A moment that I thought was kind of funny is uh, he speaks, and the banker is like, oh, you're Irish. I'm a little bit Irish. And then Billy... He amps up the Irish. Yeah, <laughs> he starts doing too much Irish, and like yeah, yeah. more than we've heard him do the entire show. Um, is That that actor is actually Irish, right? Yes, yeah. yes. But we've heard him speak this entire sure. time, and he has not sounded anything remotely close to what he sounded like in that bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, he has to wait until a certain time where he can actually withdraw everything because him and Fiona are intertwined, like, very tightly together. Like, he's worried that she's going to be able to get his money because he, she's the one who set up his whole bank account. So, like... At that point, I was like, okay, this must really be his personal assistant. Yeah. I guess. Like, it could still be someone he was in a relationship with, but it really sounds like more of a personal assistant that they set up everything for him and he doesn't even know, like, all the stuff that they've done. Yeah, Um, that's what I figured the whole time. Yeah, so Ruby and Billy are kind of waiting to get into the hotel room. He's making plans to meet with Fiona, but behind... Uh, Ruby's back and then he's also as they're like talking to each other he's purposely putting her in situations so that she can tell him the truth he already knows that she's married right he knows that she has kids he knows that she's not an architect or at least he He assumes yes he assumes that she's not an architect right no he didn't assume that I don't think I think I don't know. I think no, he I, did. No, I think he thought she was. Oh, okay, maybe. You yeah. might be right. Okay. So anyway, he's kind of setting her up to finally tell her the truth, which she almost does. She says, like, I'm not an architect. I, he, he says, like, you were right to leave me for that architect program. And then she's like, ooh, about that. I actually am not an architect. I didn't complete the program. When yeah. I went there, I had a panic attack. And... um. I got fired and then I kept pretending like I was still going there. Yeah. Um, and then she says, I got married, blah, blah, blah. And you know, then 12 years you wake up and you're married to this guy. And he says something along and the she, lines. She still says some, nothing about the kids. Yes. So he's like, I feel like you skipped over some stuff. She's like, mm. <laughs> so she never yeah. really ever says anything about the kids, but he obviously was trying to get that out of her. All of this is happening, and he's getting text messages from Fiona. 
And Ruby notices that. Like, what are you doing? You said no phones, blah, blah, blah. The text message is like, meet me at this location and blah, blah, blah. Um, so he keeps presenting these ideas like he just wants to do a fun thing. But really, it's so that he can get a moment of alone time so he can meet with Fiona. So he's like, let's go wear fun new clothes tonight before we go to the hotel room. Mm -hmm. And so they go to a store and she's like, so I don't have money. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't buy anything. And he gives her uh, a whole bunch of money. And then we get the craziest moment where it almost sounds, Kyle, you thought she was about to have sex or something. No, I thought um, she was uh, masturbating. Or masturbating, yes. But really, it's the craziest moment where she is stuck in a dress and so much is happening. She, like, falls over. She's stuck. She has to ask for help because... I was like, oh, my God, the dress is ripping. I hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this random woman helps her. Um, I think she's... And right when that happened, I was like, oh, that's Fiona. And then it was like, oh, I'm Alice. And I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, so we obviously know now it's Fiona. So was I almost think she okay. was tracking his phone the whole time. Yes, uh, but somehow she must have been watching them to know that she was with him. That's my guess. Yes. So he, yeah, that's weird. But anyway, so she helps her get out of the dress because she was stuck. And then weirdly helps lift her pants, which she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did that. Like, you know, like it's like an awkward moment. It's like, okay, this is kind of fun. Like, they are friends now or something. I wonder if that was showing that, like, she took care of Billy so much that she would put on his pants sometimes. I, I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe she's just awkward. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Or so, she has kids, but she said she didn't. No, so no. Um, one thing before I glaze over it that I thought was really interesting is in the conversation before when they were on the boat, when she starts to tell, uh, when Ruby starts to tell Billy about like, oh, I were married and blah, blah, blah. She describes it as kind of wishing, like fantasizing about being two different people. And she's like, oh, I fantasized about being one version of myself that was home and married to my husband and the other version of myself that was going out and having fun and having different experiences. And then Billy's like, why would you imagine being two people? Why wouldn't you just imagine being the fun person? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, clearly she wants to be that first person because she has kids. Right? Hmm. Because what's the point of fantasizing about being a fun person and also being a person who's staying at home? Unless you're like, oh, I'm being, I'm staying at home taking care of my family. Best of both worlds. Yes, but you could also be like, I want to go have fun. And she's like, I want to sleep with other people. It doesn't really seem like she's invested in the relationship with no. Lawrence at all. The, I think the thing that was keeping her there were her children. But she doesn't actually say that. And probably the comfort of having somebody who is taking care of her, but then it, it makes her actually dependent on them. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just wanted to make sure I brought that moment up because I thought that was interesting that she described it that way of fantasizing about being two people. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, the weird dress moment happens. She's meeting Fiona, but she doesn't know it's Fiona. And then this woman's like, let's steal the dress. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah no right? and like why did she have the gun that takes the security tag off 
I don't she know. She was so prepared. Yeah, what was happening there? Is that like a weird assistant thing that she has? Like, she, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. so she steals a dress, and then for some reason, blabbermouth Ruby is like, "Okay, so here's my life story. I'm on the run <laughs> with the, the love of my life, and I left my family, and blah blah." So weird that she's like just barfing all this information out. Well, but probably because she's thinking all of it and she has no one to talk to about it. So she's just like, ah. And she described the feeling of stealing as like exciting. She was like, yeah. oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I'm on a high, you know, like she was so excited to do it. So maybe there's that too. But they part ways, but then um, we cut to Billy, who's supposed to be meeting Fiona and we don't actually see what happens. And then we see Billy and Ruby in the hotel. And we're like, okay, did he meet Fiona? And we just aren't going to see that right now. While he's hooking up with Ruby before they actually have sex, um, he gets a text message from Fiona like, I'm here. And so it's like, okay, what's happening? And the reveal is that Alice is Fiona, that woman from yeah. earlier. Um, what did you think of that? Like, at first I was kind of like, is this Fiona? But like, I was like, no, this is just some random woman. Why would she be in a dressing room with... I, my theory, my conspiracy theory is, because at the end of the episode, Fiona is recording audio of Billy and Ruby having sex, right? Yeah, which I'm like, unless she's going like, oh, Billy, and he's like, oh, Ruby, then like, what is that recording really doing if it's just audio? So I'm thinking... This is audio she's going to send to Ruby's husband. Yeah, but again, like, how do you know it's him? First off, Her, sorry. First off, if it's your spouse, maybe they will sound familiar to you. Yeah. And I also, guess. two, if it's your spouse who ran away out of yeah. nowhere and you're pissed, you know, and then you maybe get contacted by a random person who said who has some information, like hey, your ex or your partner, their ex is this person and they're together, you might be more willing to believe it. I don't know. This is all, I'm just assuming this is what's going to happen. I don't but... know that that's really going to do much, though, because she already ran away from her family, so he's not happy. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think that's going to be I guess that I just much. don't understand why she's recording it. I don't know either. I don't know what the end game is there. So in this episode, we also kind of find out some information about Billy, finally, because he's been the one, like, we've kind of known the secrets that Ruby has been hiding, right? And pretty yeah. much at this point, she has told Billy everything except for having kids, and he already knows that, but she doesn't know that, right? But he hasn't told Ruby anything, right? So... When he meets with Fiona, Fiona's like, what the hell, dude? We need to go back. And he's like, I'm not going back. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then he's like, this whole experience has let me know that I for sure hated what I was doing. And Fiona, her face kind of looks really upset. And yeah. we find out that um, he's like, I'm not going back to the tour. So it's like, okay, that video that we saw a glimpse of in, I think, episode two I guess that was his tour that he was on and whatever. Um, and so she's like, so he hands her a stack of money, like $10,000, I think. Mm -hmm. And he's like, just take it. And she's like, oh, bitch. First <laughs> off, I have dedicated my entire life to this company. While you are the face of it, I'm doing everything else. 
And I have sacrificed life opportunities for this company to succeed. So if you think you could just give me that and I'll be gone, it's not happening. So she's basically like, no, that's not good enough. You can't just end this thing. Um, And he walks away. And then when he left, the stupidest excuse, he was just like, ooh, uh, take a bath. I'm going to go get room service. And Ruby is like, room service comes to the room. So she's already kind of suspicious of what he was doing. She saw well, that. And, and then he said, no, in fancy hotels now, you have to go get it. Yeah, which makes I'm no like, sense. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. So um, he leaves. She saw that he was touching a bag. She sees that it's just tons and tons of money. And she's kind of like, what the fuck is this? Um, he comes back into the room and she has the money still out. And she's kind of like, what's up, dude? And he's like, okay, ask me anything, which is annoying. Cause it's like, bitch, just tell her, yeah, you right. know, like just what she kind of ends up doing. Yes. And so basically he tells her that he had a tour that had like a, it was like a three day event. And he does a lot of like Q and a stuff where he brings people up to talk to them. And he brought somebody up who was pissed. And this person basically tells a story about how their husband committed suicide because uh, they be- they're blaming Billy by saying, well, this person stopped taking their medication. So that's why. Because they- you told them to or something. Exactly. And so um, because of that, that's why they killed themselves or whatever. And Billy, I guess, at- in that moment was like, you know what? You're right. And da 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 like for some reason kind of has a bit of a meltdown and blames himself. And I think Ruby's like, did you say that? Like, did you say you should stop taking your medication? He's like, not exactly, but kind of, which we yeah. kind of know that he's like this inspirational person. Maybe part of his like philosophy might've been like, not, you know, like some people who are like inspirational people are anti-medicine and anti-medication regarding like depression and think like, oh, if you like just believe or have a different mindset. Yeah. this So maybe that's what he did. I don't I don't know. They didn't really go into the specific there. But regardless, Billy apparently just crumbled with this interaction mm-hmm. and had a meltdown that was caught on on camera. And he says, like, I'm there. People are making memes out of me now. I, I'm a laughing stock. Or she, they, they both are about to say something. And she's like, you're a laughing stock. And what does he say at, as he's like, I oh, forget it. oh I'm sense. the scapegoat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, oh, whoops. And he's like, I guess I am also a laughing stock. Yeah. And it's interesting because he didn't. He thinks, oh, everything's being blamed on me. But ultimately, he kind of made sure that it would be blamed on him by agreeing with the person, right? Like, he didn't deny it. Instead, he said, you're right. Like, that, he kind of did it himself. Anyway, so they, it, it feels like from Billy, he has told her everything on top of the fact that he then tells her, I, if you want to leave, I understand, but I don't want you to. Everything except about Fiona. Well, true. Yeah. So they're both withholding still some information. but Yeah, but he has the full story. She doesn't. Exactly. So now at this point, the end of the episode, which we already referenced, we see that uh, Fiona is recording the audio of them having sex, which, yes, what is that going to do? But I, I could only assume 
why record it unless she's going to send it to the husband? Because it's not like she wants Billy's reputation to go badly because she's saying she wants him to rebuild his reputation, right? So my only assumption is that she's trying to get rid of Ruby because maybe she thinks, oh, if Ruby's out of the picture, you'll stop running. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Do you think anything else? Do you, what do you think? No, I just don't know what she would use that audio for. What you're saying makes sense. I just feel like the audio is not going to change much. But Yeah, I, I don't know either. But yeah, I'm interested to see where it's going to go now because at this point they have at least, they're at least like 80% honest with each other, right? Yeah. And there has to be an end because if his job was being this like inspirational, like guru type of person, this is a major hit to it. And he's saying, I don't want to do that anymore. At a certain point, no matter how rich he is, he's not going to have money forever, right? Like... Mm, I mean, not, not I, no matter how rich he I, is. Well, that's true. I guess if he's investing in and has like different things, that's true. He could be. And I mean, if he income. has like thirty million dollars, yeah, he could live off. Yeah, that that's true. Okay. Sure. Basically, though, know, though. Uh, Ruby is now financially dependent on him, mm-hmm. which is probably not what she wanted because. She, I, she really. The thing that's so shocking in episode two is that she really thought. Oh yeah, whoop whoop! I'm just gonna keep using my husband's, yeah, <laughs> my or the joint account I have with my husband, who is making all the money, and I don't need to explain anything, right? Yeah, that was insane. But anyway, uh, I look forward to episode four. What did you think about this episode as a whole? Uh, I liked it. I thought it was good. It was definitely a different tone because the first two episodes were so sexy, on top yeah. of like everything else. Like we didn't know what was going on. Well, it still had a bit of that. This episode, yes. But it was getting to know each other a little more and stuff. So I I thought it was good. It kind of explored it a bit. Yeah, this episode, they actually have sex. And it's maybe the least sexy out of the three episodes. So it's just interesting. The sexual tension build up. And then this episode where it's like they finally are almost being honest with each other. and, And why they're running. And... I don't know. It's very interesting because he's clearly running away from something, but he's also saying he wants to be with her. Mm-hmm. And she seems to be like, I wanted to have this more exciting life, but may also want to be with him too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, looking forward to episode four. Let us know what you thought about the episode and let's go on to our next topic. I know you think that I should Now we are going to talk about the HBO film Bad Education. Uh, this film just came out this weekend. It stars Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, Geraldine Vishwan Nathan, Alex Wolf. There's a huge cast, Ray Romano. Uh, I believe this film actually premiered at the uh, Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF, last year in 2019, and then got acquired by HBO. So uh, let me read the IMDb synopsis in case you are unfamiliar. Uh, the unfolding of the single largest public school embezzlement scandal in history. Uh, I think I heard about this film only recently. I didn't hear about it last year when it was at TIFF. But uh, when I saw the trailer, I was kind of like, 
I know there's a scandal and someone lied, but I wasn't really able to tell what the movie was going to be about. How about you when you saw the trailer? What did you think? Yeah, it was a pretty, I was going to say ominous. I don't know if ominous is right, but uh, it didn't really reveal much, uh, which is good. Yeah. Um, It looked interesting, but I was like, if someone asked me, what's the main thing of the movie? I would have been like, someone lied. And that's all I would be able to say. I Um, basically was just like, oh, this is something Shadi will like. Exactly. Because it's a liar who I think is getting caught. And that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I think what we're going to do is just do a quick review, non-spoiler, and then get into spoilers because then we could talk about it more openly. But uh, like I just mentioned, there's a ton of uh, large, like, huge names like Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. Uh, you probably heard us talk about Geraldine Vishwan Nathan before because we really like her in, oh my gosh, Miracle Workers. I was like, wait, what's the show again? Uh, I was like, why are you saying, oh my gosh? Yeah, I was like, wait, I forgot the title. Uh, We really like her in Miracle Workers and we also really like her in Blockers. That's where we first saw her. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, uh, I think everyone did a great job acting. I was really impressed by everyone's performances. Yeah. Um, I also really was impressed by how they told the story. There's an element to the story that I didn't really see coming until, I mean, until they wanted us to see it, I guess. And I think they did a very good job in its storytelling of laying out small breadcrumbs, like, throughout the film until they reveal that one element that I'm being vague about. Yeah, I actually saw it coming earlier uh however oh, really? okay yeah however i um I, I said that when we saw it i think we might be talking about two different things this is why i oh. want to go into spoilers but okay. gotcha okay. okay i think i know what you're saying <laughs> yeah. yeah in that case then yes i uh wasn't uh aware okay um yeah i i think there was a nice uh build that was not um Let's see, you know, a lot of times it's like a really slow build that, you know, not too much is going on. And then all of a sudden, bam, like everything comes together and that can be kind of boring in the beginning. It's not like that. There's a good amount uh, in the beginning to hold your interest. And then it just expands uh, kind of slowly, but in a way that uh, I think doesn't just feel like, oh, there's this crazy climax of the movie, which... I guess it's a little different. I, I think the movie is a slow build. And it's interesting because the conflict, you at least think, happens pretty early in the film. The movie yeah. is an hour and 49 minutes. I would say by the 40-minute mark, something happens. We were like, where is the movie going to go now? Like, Are we just going to deal with this one element? And then obviously other things happen. This is based off of real events, so if you're already familiar with the story, then you probably already know where it's going to go, but we were not familiar with the story. Uh, One thing that I also really liked about the film was visually certain things that did that marked certain events, uh, which I'm going to have to get into spoilers because I don't want to ruin that, but there's certain shots that they repeat that I think tell the story. It's very simple. It's not like the most like, whoa, radical filmmaking move. But I enjoyed that. I liked the way they told the story visually as well. Um, You mean like uh, current events style events? Is that what you're saying? Well, I would say that like there's an image um, at the beginning where uh, Hugh Jackman is in front of the number four. Sure. And it's reflecting on their number four in their school district or whatever. Yeah. Testing or... And then 
that shot is repeated later on where I think it, I was like, oh, that's like a really smart way to repeat this moment. Yeah. Or um, on the bleachers, he has this conversation with Alice and Janney, and then the, he has another conversation with someone else. And just I see. similar things like that, that, again, I'm not trying to act like, whoa, they, they really flipped the script there. <laughs> but I'm just yeah. saying I enjoyed how it was told visually, as well as just the way the script was structured. I uh, also agree with that, and I want to point out that uh, the visual storytelling in regards to those uh, motifs, maybe, okay, um, okay. would um, were more subtle as well, yes. which I liked. Yes. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, I think we've seen, you know, a few movies in recent years where it's like, okay, yeah, I got it. You're harking back to that thing, and they're just, like, beating you over the head with it. But mm -hmm. this one seems like if you're paying attention, you see it. Even if you're not, you kind of see it, but it's just kind of there. Yeah. Um, let's get into spoilers so we could talk about this. Uh, well, before that, how about we give a rating? Yes, okay, sure. So I would say, for me, I really enjoyed this movie, so much so that I started reading about, like, the actual events because I was curious about the real story. And um, I thought everyone did a great job acting. I liked how they relayed the information. Uh, I would give this like a four out of five. I thought it was a really good movie. What about you? Yeah, I was going to say the same, four out of five. Um, there weren't any big negatives, um, but overall my feeling from it was like, oh, that was, that was very good. Um, so it wasn't quite to the level of, oh, my God, I loved it. To like a negatives? five out of five. No, I said there weren't really oh, any negatives. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So nothing brought it down from a five, but just my general feeling after watching it is not quite to five level of sure. it. Like, oh my God, this is the best movie. But it was very good. I, I really liked it. Yeah, no, I thought it was a strong movie. I enjoyed it. Um, and I would recommend people see it. And it's nice that it's on HBO. So if you have HBO, you have access to it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I hope people see it because I would like to talk about it more. But now let's go into spoilers so we could be more specific about what we liked, okay? Yep. All right. So in spoilers, I guess the main thing about the movie that I didn't see coming, that I what I was referring to when they laid the breadcrumbs to this whole plot reveal, is that Hugh Jackman's character was heavily involved in spending the school's money. Yeah. The scandal in this movie is that Allison Janney gets caught sp just like kind of blatantly just spending the money yeah. and has been working there for 10 years plus mm -hmm. and has been doing this regularly. She has a nice home. I think she has more than one home. Um, she yeah. has um, just nice everything, nice car, blah, blah, blah. She got one of her relatives to work at the in the superintendent's office and they also are using the card for different shopping expenses. Um, just recently, still, yeah. but they but they know they're doing something wrong. At least the, like the way it's shown. Oh yeah, she says she wants to buy a PlayStation for a kid, and then ends up going to Lord and Taylor and Macy's. So like, I mean, she's no, kind of Lord and Taylor. Yeah, and Macy's. I don't. 
She brought up Macy's. It, it comes up later. I know because, he brought up Macy's. Yes. I thought, oh, okay. Yes, gotcha. because she ended up shopping at both places. And that's when he's gotcha, like, gotcha. oh, where did that necklace come from? Lord and Taylor or Macy's? Okay. Because I he thought knows. he was saying like, oh, did you get that from Macy's, a reasonable place? Or Lord and Taylor, oh, no. the expensive he was, one? He was referring to the fact like, I know you went to both these places. Gotcha, gotcha. So you tell me where you got it. And that was an interesting scene too. We could get yeah. to that in the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. But yeah, so 40 minutes since in the movie, Allison Janney is caught because of her son. Uh, gosh, I sh- I'll look up the actor's name, but he's from American Vandal, and he's really funny, and it made me miss American Vandal a lot yeah. seeing him. Um, gosh, I don't know his name. Oh, Jimmy Tatro. Tatro, okay. Uh, yeah, he's really funny, um, just in general. And in this one, he plays a good, like, what like kind of guy (laughs) um but anyway uh she gets caught and instead of them going to the police because they're very worried about this school's image they i really liked that they kept bringing up this skywalk thing Mm -hmm. it's interesting because like to anyone outside of the school who the fuck cares about a skywalk right but to the school it was the biggest deal ever like they kept talking about it so much like this is going to be the thing that brings our school to the top and like it's like such a ridiculous architectural thing like who cares but uh they cared a lot about their placement as a school specifically um i guess how their testing scores were and where their students were going to college afterwards yeah right and so because of that, they didn't want to press charges on Al- Alice and Janney because they had a whole long, uh, um, Hugh Jackman's character is like, if we make this public, this is going to be a stain on our image. And that's going to have a domino effect where it's going to impact how the how our scores are looked at. We're going to be looked at as like a bad school. Then we're not going to get as much funding. Then our students are going to suffer for that. That means our scores are going to go down. Our status is going to go down, which means property values in our neighborhood will go down. Yeah, like that's the thing that got everybody. Yeah, and then everyone's like, oh, damn, okay. Yeah, so, but the um, the main thing, I think, was the budget that they wanted to get passed would be very difficult to get past because everybody would be like, oh, who knows what kind of stuff they're sneaking in there. And he's like, let's at least get the budget passed first. Yeah, so they they let Alice and Janney go. They're just like, we're we're not going to press charges, but you have to uh, retire. I guess we're revoking your license. You can no longer do this job anymore at another place. Um, and it's very interesting because Allison Janney's character, we are introduced to her. She seems a little, we, we know she's doing something bad right off the bat. Like mm-hmm. she's getting a little sketchy. Um, but then when she gets caught, she's so confident that her friend, Hugh Jackman, Frank, is going to protect her because they've had this relationship for so long. And he's like, no, 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 no. It was interesting because the moment when they're having the conversation with all of the staff and then Alice and Janney, it's, I don't know if you caught this or maybe I was imagining it. When Frank, Hugh Jackman is like, hey, you're going to retire. You're going to leave. That's it. She kind of fights back a bit, right? Yeah. And then there's a moment he gives her a look Mm -hmm. and then she's like, 
okay, yes, I am going to stop. And it's like, what was going on there? Like, yeah, I and I thought, okay, that's a look like maybe they're friends and she just knows I'm not going to win in this case. Right. Yeah. I think it maybe it was implying like, you know, the deal like I can't help. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think that look was about? Yeah, I don't know. I think it has some meaning, but I just couldn't quite figure it out. And even looking back now, knowing what we know, I still am not sure, but I think there is something else. I I think there is something too. And I'm still kind of confused why she didn't immediately blow up his spot unless she didn't know. Hey, you stole my phrase. I did? Yeah. What's your I was saying blow up his spot. When? Not on the podcast now. You stole it. Uh, I don't know. I think I've originated. Yeah. Oh, that wow. <laughs> okay. I said that literally like two times in the past two days. I, I, you did I not. Guess, I guess I wasn't thinking about it, but then maybe I heard you say it. And I'm like, hmm, Wow. Sounds pretty cool. I'll say mm-hmm, it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Great. Now I can't use it. I don't get the cool points. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know why she didn't say, okay, you're going to fire me. Well, listen up, bitches. Frank has been like, I don't know why she didn't say it then. Because she obviously used it later on. Maybe she realized yeah. like the damage that it would cause for everyone. But I would that, think that... Yeah, that's my assumption is that it seemed like she really did care about the school as well. And so did Frank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I think she knew and he was... The look maybe was just about like, don't keep going. It's just going to cause problems or whatever. And she was like you know, thinking to herself, well, if this is how it's going to go, you know, I I don't want to mess up the school any more than I have already or whatever. The other performance that I really liked and how they phrased it, the reason why the story, I guess, is very interesting is that the story was broke by one of the students because they were, uh, Geraldine Geraldine Vishwanathan is playing a student who I guess is a junior who works on the school newspaper and she wants to do, she first starts by saying she wants to report on the Skywalk thing that's so important to the school. Well, doesn't want to. She was assigned that story. Sure, true. And then she tells um, Hugh Jackman's character, who Hugh Jackman's character is interesting because he plays a person who goes out of his way to get to know all the students and parents. He seemed to sincerely like trying to be like there for everyone right yeah um so he tells uh geraldine like hey uh make it a story it doesn't have to be a small piece so she takes that and then starts looking into the finances of what's going on notices like huh why are why are the ceilings leaking but we're spending a million plus or however much money it was I think it was seven point five million. Okay, on the skywalk, that seems odd. Like, if the schools are not uh, well themselves, why are we adding on, right? Mm-hmm. So she obviously there. She has this tense moment with Alice and Janney, where she's like, "I want to know where this thing is," and she's like, "What do you want? What do you what's your, what are you getting at?" You know, um, and then pretty much after that, she's still reporting on it. It was interesting because Alex Wolf's Alex Wolf's character is like the editor in chief, I guess, for the school newspaper. Okay, and he's like, "Are you sure you, we don't we don't report stuff like this? Let's just talk about how much we like the Skywalk. Why this is all for college credit? Why are you going further?" Yeah, and then eventually, when he starts when they start 
unraveling everything that's happened, he's like, I don't know if I can report this because they're going to sign my college admission stuff, like my recommendations. Like, Yeah, his recommendation was from the superintendent, and yeah. he was the top of the issues. Exactly. So uh, her character is very interesting because she kept reporting. Um, she seemed to be a little over her head when she started to find information, specifically stuff about Frank, Hugh Jackman. Um, but I liked her character. I liked the scenes between her and Hugh Jackman because it seemed like it started out friendly, obviously, in his office. He's like, keep doing it. Keep going. Whatever. Yeah. And then and he's like, stop going. Then when he sees her again, it's not in his office, but they have that encounter where he's like, you need to be careful where you're going because if you say something publicly and you don't really know what's going on, you're going to look like a fool or whatever. Yeah. And then he even makes an implication to her own family life because her dad was dealing with um, some inside trading stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it was just interesting that uh, encounter. But I guess the main thing that uh, the breadcrumbs that were interesting to me were that Hugh Jackman's character, he seems we the first image we get of him is him like grooming himself because he's about to do a speech or mm-hmm. I guess uh, they're congratulating him on all the effort he did to get them to number four. Yeah. Right. And he's grooming himself, blah, blah, blah. And he seems like a pretty well put together guy. He's talking about how his wife, you, or you see a picture of his wife who, this is set in 2002. The picture of his wife definitely looks like it's from the 70s. Like it's like, it looks like a very dated picture. Maybe it's supposed to be more recent, but like, it looks very old. Well, he said she died 30-something years ago, so that puts you in the 70s, right? Yeah, that, you're right. Yeah, so maybe so, the yeah. picture is from the 70s. So it's like, okay, it's this widow who really cares about his students. and He's not a widow. Widower? Is that what it's called, I, if it's a guy? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, who okay. cares? He's a widow, and he... <laughs> um, widow. And he... Um, basically is seems to put all his time into trying to be perfect for the school and get the school to number one. And you kind of are like, oh, he's doing a great job. And then they get into when she, when Allison Janney um, gets fired, she leaves a note saying, I'm not the sociopath. And I think I was like, oh my God, is she making a reference that Hugh Jackman killed his wife? Like yeah, what? I was like, uh, no, babe. Like, like, what the fuck? Way what does she far. mean by that? Um, but I guess she was implying that, like, I know what you've been doing. Because it seems like both of them were spending the school's money, but not together. It's not like they were actively like, I'm going to spend the school's money, and we both know about it. I think he had no idea she was doing it. And she had mm. an idea of it, held that information, didn't say anything about it until the time came towards the end of the film, right? I wonder, actually... Because he seemed genuinely shocked that she did that. Yeah, but he also hid the fact that he was doing anything very well. True, but I think he was shocked. He also, he's this kind guy. His, His character starts to change when he's confronted with stuff. Like, the accountant is like, Mm -hmm. hey... I was going through the records, which he didn't have to because they resolved it, I guess. He's like, I've been going through the records, and it's definitely way more money than what we said Pamela, Alice, and Janney spent. 
I also noticed, you know, you took a trip to London first class in a super nice airline. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, and? <laughs> and then he's just like, <laughs> two seats? So why would you need two passengers? He's like, so what are you trying to get at right now? You want to get fired? And it's just like, <laughs> the guy's like, no, I'm just trying to understand, like, what happened. He's like, okay, never mind. Sorry, bye. Yeah. Uh, but his character, Frank, gets more intense. Slowly. Mm-hmm. He goes from this super nice, smiley, well-put-together guy, by the end, like, very intimidating, almost threatening person um, who seems somewhat delusional, like Pamela, who's thinking, okay, yes, I got caught, but I can explain it, okay? Yeah. And it's like, wait, no, you did I something. just wanted to buy stuff. I was so shocked that Alison Janney thought, Frank is going to fix it. Yeah. And then when he thought, okay, let me just make this statement. Once I make this statement, everything's going to be fine. And everyone's yelling at him because it's yeah. like, dude, you cannot actually make the statement. You could maybe leave it a written statement somewhere, but mm-hmm. you talking in front of a crowd of people is not going, it's not going to happen. Um, well, cause he was so cocky about like, I'm very good. And yeah. I can talk my way out of anything. And it's like, not when everyone's yelling at you. <laughs> exactly. And the one thing that I was worried about at the beginning is that we, he takes a trip to Las Vegas for some type of school convention thing or something. Yeah. And meets a former student who's now obviously an adult and they have a relationship. And at this point, us watching it, we've been told that, you know, he had this wife that maybe he's interested in or maybe he's just not interested or not ready for another partner. But then he has a relationship with a man. And the way that at first I was like, oh. Is the scandal supposed to be that he's gay? Who cares? Boring. Like, you know, like, but I think they were revealing, like, it's not about him being gay. It's about the fact that he hid his identity um, from everyone. So, like, while he went through such an effort to be like, oh, I'm just this guy who found the love of my life and she died decades ago and I just can't find the right person. Like, you know, like he he set up this scenario for himself when really we find out later he's married or at least has a partner of 30 years and is cheating on that partner with the former student in Vegas. Right. Yeah. And the partner doesn't even know that he's talking about the fact that he has a wife. And it's like, what's with this guy? The partner like doesn't know anything about him. Yeah. So the partner, there's a moment where he's like, Oh, maybe I could go to one of these conventions. And Hugh Jackman's like, I wouldn't make you do something like that. Don't worry. And it seems like their relationship has constantly been him not interacting with his coworkers. And some of that might also be as a gay man, depending Mm. on how open you want to be, you might be like, well, we're going to keep our relationship private from our coworkers. Because there's pictures of them amongst friends, like in the house, like group pictures of him and his partner and other people. So it's not like they don't socialize. He just might have kept them away from, or kept his partner away from his work. And maybe he made excuses for that. Like, oh, well, you know, in order for me to advance, they can't know about my sexuality because it's 2002. You know, like, Maybe yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. That could have been it, but um, yeah, it was very interesting that the moment where I think Geraldine Vishwan Nathan gets a little over her head is when she meets the partner, doesn't know who he is, yeah, 
and has nothing prepared. And she's just like, I'm canvassing. And he's like, for who? And she's like, I got the wrong house. And it's like, girl, you <laughs> yeah. didn't prepare anything? Like, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I think that the slow reveal of Hugh Jackman's character was very interesting. He's a liar and he's set up this whole thing. While I do think he had good intentions for the school, he also seemed to be consumed with an, a certain secret identity that he had where he got to travel on the school's expenses. He had nice clothing and seemed to do uh, some cosmetic procedures as well. Uh, yeah, he was that, obsessed with his image and used the school's money to maintain that. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting that Ray Romano's character kind of revealed to him as much as you thought you were doing a good job keeping your life a secret we all knew so like he basically said it's an open secret referring to we know about your sexuality and also mm. we could see what's going on with your face and as much as you think yeah. it's subtle we know you are doing stuff to your face yeah and the suits we can like you're wearing these super nice suits that are dry cleaned. And like, we knew that you were at least obsessed with your image in a way that, I mean, I guess in 2002, they perceived to be uh, gay or whatever, but whatever point is they are saying like, you weren't, you weren't as clever at hiding your identity as much as you thought you were. This whole shtick about your wife and stuff like was unnecessary. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting that he thought he was very clever at hiding it when it seemed like a lot of people knew, including mm. Alice and Janney, because when one of the teacher or no, one of the moms tries to hit on Hugh Jackman, Alice and Janney's like, oh, she's not your type. And I thought that meant like maybe just her personality. But I think Alice and Janney might have been referring to like because she's a woman. That's not you. She's not your huh. type. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Because they both give each other a look, and that's it. Like, you know. But anyway, I don't know what else to really say. I, I like that. Uh, I guess it was the final shot where he's in jail, and he's hearing the muffled uh, announcement of Ray Romano, like, about to introduce him on stage, like we saw at the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. And him and the prison slowly turning into the hallways of the school. And yeah. then, like I said, that shot of him in front of the number one, which seemed to be his goal. Yep. Um, but yeah, I like that final shot. And I think it really reveals what he was wanting. As much as he wanted the school to be number one, I think he also himself viewed that as an extension of himself. Yeah. If he was able to get the school to number one, then he's number one. Blah, blah, blah. Right? Yep. Anything else you want to say about this in spoilers? Um, not so much, I think. I think that's uh, pretty good coverage of it. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. I think it was good. I, I think um, the relative of Alice and Janney, which I guess we've kind of already talked about. Oh, it, yeah. That no, Lord and Taylor moment that. where yeah. she where she thought she had the upper hand. Yeah, when she's talking to Frank, the superintendent. And she says, uh, well, he's like, yeah, he's we like, want to oh, reevaluate yeah. your value. You're valuable to us. Let's move you to this dungeon of a position, which is like, yeah. in the file, special utilities or something. Exactly. And then she's like, oh, I was actually thinking I could take Alice and Jenny's job. 
Which um, is bold. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, uh, do you even have qualifications for that? But okay. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, yeah, no, we're going to stick you in this other place. And then she tries to say like, well, you know, I actually know what happened. So, uh, you know, if you don't want me to tell anybody, you better give that to me. Mm. And then he's like, <laughs> okay, uh, guess what? I know what you did, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that's way worse. So what do you want to do about it? And she's like, oh, crap. Yeah, that was, she's like, okay, so uh, the utilities, got it. And she just gets up and leaves, yeah. and it's like, yeah, girl, that backfired. Especially the fact that you thought you were going to take over your aunt's position with, like, no experience. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, that was freaking crazy. That was, that was crazy. Uh, but a, a great moment. And I think, again, a turning moment for Frank because you kind of saw him go from... Because he had a moment where that one woman was testing his patience because she's like... The mom? Yeah, where she's like, my son, he's gifted. He should be taking the gifted test but the teacher she sabotaged it and wouldn't let him like you know just blaming everyone and really it seemed like the mom was just pushing her child to be in some type of class that he wasn't right for and because of the status of being in that class Mm -hmm. uh and she was obnoxious and frank at first is like okay let me just, I'll work on it. Don't worry, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the film, this bitch has the nerve to be there again. She's like, see, let him read this to you. And he's struggling. And it's really painful because the mom is pushing her child in a way that seems only for her own gain. Or maybe she's worried about the kid, you know, maybe his other friends are in this class. I don't know. But it just seems like she's not helping the kid, right? And he snaps. He's finally like, not the kid, Frank. Yes, Frank is finally like, <laughs> no, like he brings up this whole race car metaphor and is like, well, that was, this. yeah, that was interesting because uh, it looked like he brought that up just to make the kids say accelerate. But he did it in a aggressive. Yes, it was aggressive. <laughs> yeah. But, but then it worked also. And I was trying to understand what that was about because he was an English teacher. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, was he showing like, hey, see, like, I can actually teach him. He can learn, but you don't know what the heck you're doing. I think he was using the opportunity to teach her and dunk on her at the same time. Yeah, Because I think he was also basically referring to the hook that's pulling the car back as her. I think think she's the person holding him back. Wow. You know, that whole thing is amazing. Yeah. Thinking about it even more now. Because, yeah, his whole speech afterwards was like, you know, teachers know what they're doing and they have a lot of experience and blah, blah, blah. And you just keep, you know, putting them down and stuff. And he was showing that like, you know, doing it her way where she's just like, start over again, start over again. Mm -hmm. He's not making, uh, he's not making any headway on it. And then he does the one thing and bam, he says it. And he's like, yeah, teachers know what they're doing. See, he learned it instantly. Like you suck. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because there's a complex relationship between good and bad and intent in this because, like, I think that Hugh Jackman's character, like I've said already, he had good intentions, but it was mixed in with his image of himself and lying and, you know, hiding his identity. And that combined with the other person, Pamela, also doing shady shit just was a disaster for this school, right? 
Yeah, I'm um, really interested in how much they knew about each other. I, well, I think he didn't know about her, but she knew about him, obviously, because she had those files that she yeah. later gave to the FBI or whatever. Um, but yeah, the craziest part was at the end when they were revealing the true story stuff. And they're like, due to like a clerical error or something, he still gets his salary of like a million dollars or something. What was it? He still gets a pension of like a hundred seventy three thousand a year because of a uh, a lap, you know a problem in New York City law, or like New a York mistake that law. they made or something. Well, no, it's it's like a loophole in the law. It looks like. okay. That's crazy. So it wasn't a million dollars, but still, it's no. a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah, it's he a does, good amount of money. He doesn't work at all, and he'll be totally fine. Yeah, and he's out of jail. He was sentenced to, I think, like four, four to, to nine years. Yeah, so he, I think I was reading, he got out of jail in 2010. So hmm. he's probably just like, yeah, just getting paid. <laughs> like, yeah, it is very interesting because, you know, he did have the best of intentions for the school, and then he was just obsessed with his image and stuff and, you know, having nice things and going on, you know, fancy uh, travel and stuff like that, Uh, where, you know, he somehow reconciled in his mind that, oh, I can take that money and because the school is still climbing in the rankings, I'm good. Yeah. And like, he, he, I guess he was so good with the budget that he was able to do what he needed to do for the school uh, and be able to get a budget approved that had enough money for him to do all the other stuff he wanted to do. Sure. And he also said that I'm the face of the school. So what do you want? Yeah, that's how he rationalized it. Yeah, he's like, you want me to look a mess? Like, I need to look good. So, yeah, I'm charging for dry cleaning. And, yeah, I'm doing this stuff because... Yeah, it it was very interesting. It, it the I guess the part that just always fascinates me with these types of stories is that when someone does something wrong and they start to rationalize it and not just admit, yeah, I got caught up with wanting to be, you know, high status and for people to look at me and think I look good. Yeah. It, it, it that's like such an easy thing to say that people could relate to, but instead it's total denial and it's like I didn't do anything wrong. Like, yeah. Uh, Frank will fix it. I need to do dry cleaning. I need to look good. Like it's just like all these excuses yeah. rather than just being like, yeah, I guess I got kind of caught up in the image element of this. What's crazy is the amount of money. It's just stupid. In the it's end. stupid. It was it's like stupid. <laughs> between the two of them, it was like seven point six million over eight years or something. And then they didn't say what the other amount was, but overall it was eleven million. So there's another four million that went to other people or something or, or maybe it was for? just not spent correctly i don't know yeah i don't know but uh, it's just like oh my god like can you imagine if we lived there and you're like a taxpayer and well and that's, that's what's why i think on? everybody was pissed at the oh, end They're yeah just like, what the it's fuck? just insane yeah but yeah you know talking about it more and stuff it's very interesting uh you know how they showed these things and diving into the nuance of the story and the fact that it's not just like this is a bad person you know yeah it's not just like they were evil and that's all they cared about it's like no they seem to like their job and were trying to do their best especially frank but just got caught up on so many other things i definitely think that like hugh jackman's performance hopefully maybe we'll get like i guess an emmy nomination because it's a tv movie 
Um, because I thought he was really good. I, I really liked how he, the slow reveal and how he did it. So, yeah, we'll be interesting to see. All right. If you saw this movie, let us know what you thought and let's go on to our next topic. Okay, now we're in Let's Babble. Let's Babble is where we talk about what we've been watching and we recommend it or we don't recommend it. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about is a show on Netflix called Middle Ditch and Swartz. Uh, the IMDb synopsis, Thomas Middleditch and Ben Swartz perform two-person long-form improv. Uh, so if you are not familiar with these two actors, Thomas Middleditch is or was the lead in Silicon Valley, Ben Schwartz, I think is his most popular role would be from uh, Parks and Rec as John Ralphio. Um, and for me, I personally, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and I also listen to a lot of comedy improv podcasts. So I have heard them on podcasts do improv together and separately, and they're always really funny. I also know that Ben Schwartz, I don't know if he still does it, but he had like a regular show uh, improv show that he would get like people who didn't do improv to do improv. And I remember it being but a they're big still comedians or something. No, I remember it being a big deal. Like he would get like Don Cheadle because he was on that oh. one show house of lies with him and like, uh, JJ Abrams and like <laughs> people who like had no improv experience and he would get them to do improv. Well, Don Cheadle at least does comedic acting, but, J.J. Abrams doesn't even act. Y yes, that, I think that was what his goal was, to try to get people to do improv that had no experience with Interesting. it. Um, and Thomas Middleditch, I think, has just always done improv as well as just uh, sketch comedy and stuff. So uh, for me, I already kind of knew their background. I knew that it also, uh, I think, in 2019 and maybe earlier this year, they were touring together on this Middleditch and Swartz improv tour and i guess this what we're watching on netflix is at least three of their shows mm. there are three episodes we watched one um and yeah so that's kind of some background just in case you're like what is this um and then obviously like improv comedy i think improv comedy is a hit or miss for some people some people hear the word improv and they're like, gross. No, I don't want I don't want to watch that. And then some people really enjoy it. I definitely like improv comedy, but like anything else, I need to like the performers because there are some people who improvise that I'm just like, ooh, I do not like this person, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. so there are some improv comics who I'm like, ooh, they're doing something. I'm gonna watch it or I'm gonna listen to it on a podcast. Um what about you, hun? I think you were mentioning that your knowledge of improv comedy was with Whose Line, right? Yeah, Whose Line Is It Anyway? I'm a huge fan of. I love that show. Uh, I used to watch the old one all the time. Uh, I watched the new one, and then you stopped wanting to watch the new one, and so I kind of fell off of that. Okay, I'd love to go well, back and... Just blaming me on that yep, one. Yep, I'll blame you on that one. Okay. Um... But I need to go back and watch that. But also, you did surprise me um, a few years back uh, and surprised me with a trip to L.A. And we actually went to a taping of Who's Line, uh, which, like, I had no idea where we were going until we got there. And uh, that was an awesome experience. 
however, also insane because they do like a four hour taping of four episodes all at once. Yeah. And you're not able to leave your seat or go to the bathroom or anything like that. So you're just like stuck in there and they give you like a standing stretch break like two times or something, Mm -hmm. was it? And that's it. And that was insane it was so difficult to do that but it was yeah also live really cool. tapings i think there are some that are not like that but this one specifically was pretty difficult to sit through because at a certain point you're like i'm so thirsty and i need yeah. to pee <laughs> like because you're also applauding really loudly yeah. and you know laughing and yelling and stuff mm-hmm. so your throat's getting dry but you don't want to drink because then you're gonna have to pee it yeah it was crazy but, yeah it was um, a crazy experience uh so okay so your improv background is with Who's Line. Yeah, and I really love that because I think they're really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really watched or listened to anything else really improv-related, I don't think. Okay, yeah. So with this, I was like, okay, what's this going to be like? Because especially for me, when I see Thomas Middleditch, I think of Silicon Valley, and I think he's really good in that. But I also know that sometimes like in interview settings, he's a little awkward. So yeah. I was like, what's this going to be? After watching it, I think he's, like, an amazing... Like, I've already heard him improvise on podcasts, so I already liked him there, but I was very impressed by him in person or at least seeing him on TV, and I I think they did a really good job. Um, Yeah, I think he... I I like him on Silicon Valley because that character, you know, it's important in the show and stuff, but also it's kind of weird and annoying, and I when I see him in... um, uh, interviews and stuff i'm like Ugh, uh, yeah i'm not really a fan but <laughs> okay but he was different in this like he he was like really awkward and stuff in interviews but then in this he seemed more confident and yeah i think maybe because well. he's probably more comfortable working in comedy yeah. rather than talking in general <laughs> like maybe he's <laughs> just like i don't like talking and i'm yeah. weird I, maybe that's the case i don't know but like he he's really good ben schwartz i already kind of knew because i've seen him improvise in so many things so like i kind of knew his vibe and i think they work really well together is very interesting because mm-hmm. like they would as the first part is they asked the audience for suggestions and then they were talking to this like group of people and I was getting more and more uncomfortable because I I hate situations where they have to talk to the audience because you get you get different types of audience people engaging in this. You get the person who either hopefully is just like, I'm going to let you do the comedy and I'm just going to talk and be normal. And maybe I'm a little nervous. That's fine. Then you get the other type of person who's like, I'm kind of funny in my group. So I'm sure everyone wants to hear me do a couple jokes. Right. Or try yeah. to be funny. And this group of people that they were talking to, there was a slight mixture of the latter of like somebody who's like trying to be funny or humorous in their delivery that I just hated because I didn't think they were funny <laughs> and they were coming up a little broy to like I just I just didn't like it. Um, but that only lasts three minutes, so that was good. Yeah, that and is. you know from what I knew of improv in a regular like improv show um, setting, not. Uh, whose line, which I guess is the same for whose line, is I thought it was more like suggestion, small scene, suggestion, small scene. This one was very different where it's suggestion and they gather a lot of information mm-hmm. and then they do a scene 
over the next 50 minutes. Yeah. So the first episode, I believe, is 56 minutes. And um, pretty much they talk to that group of people maybe for like less than six minutes. And like you said, the rest is them improvising, which I think is good because they talk to them for a good amount of time to get a lot of information so they could continue the scenes. The thing that I wasn't expecting was for them to, for instance, the sketch involved a wedding. So the thing that I thought was interesting was like Ben Schwartz would play the groom and then Thomas Middleditch would play the best man or something. And then a few minutes later, they would switch roles and Thomas Middleditch is playing the groom now. And still going off of the characteristics that Ben Schwartz established, but, like, he's doing his own thing. And they did that multiple times. There's one really funny part where they're doing it back and forth. And, like, it's just, it seems like a very difficult thing. Obviously, if improv comedy isn't your thing, then maybe this isn't the right thing for you. But I thought it was really funny. And I think they did a really good job. And I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the other two episodes. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I... Probably didn't like it quite as much as you, but I thought I thought it was pretty funny. No, I was laughing like pretty hard, especially at Thomas Milditch. I thought he was the funniest. Like, yeah, he was just so good. And my um, I guess my critique would be a little bit shorter, but yeah. like you know, uh, I was having a good time watching it. So whatever, you know. And and I need to watch the other two. Maybe I won't feel that way with uh, episode two and three. Um, but yeah, I would I would watch this. Like if they do this, like. Once a year, they do three episodes. I would, I would watch this type of. I think three episodes is the perfect amount because I definitely don't think I would watch like six or eight or yeah. ten episodes of this. I think three episodes is perfect. Yeah, it's basically a comedy special, but since it's improv, they can do more than one. Yes. So yeah, it's it's not like watching the same comedy special a bunch of times, but uh, to a degree, it is. So you wouldn't want to see like six of them. Yeah, I I think it, I just think it's good that they're doing like three, especially because it's the two of them. They at a certain point, as much as they could do different characters, they're still going to start to overlap in some of the things that they do. So I I think it's good what they the way they structured it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is called Middle Ditch and Swart Schwartz. I always say his name wrong. Um, yeah. it's on Netflix, and yeah, three episodes. Uh, the next thing that we want to talk about is a TV show on HBO called We're Here. Um, I will read the IMDb synopsis. Renowned drag queens Bob the Drag Queen, Eureka O'Hara, and Shangela Laquifa Widely <laughs> will inspire and teach their own drag daughters to step outside their comfort zone for a for a night of no holds barred, full on drag. Okay, so let me just say this before we get into it. Kyle and I know nothing about drag, especially Kyle. Yeah, right. I was going to say, well, you're putting us in the same well, level. I because drag right now is very popular. RuPaul's Drag Race is like a really popular show that a lot of people watch, but we don't watch. Um, so I I want to say that now because I think if not at least two out of the three drag queens on this or all three of these drag queens have been on RuPaul's Drag Race. So I think people who are watching the show probably know these drag queens either from RuPaul's Drag Race or just because they know drag and know the drag scene. So they're aware of the most popular drag queens, right? Um, so I just want to put that out there now as we go. So we, I, I know we probably are going to sound like <laughs> idiots, but I just want to make sure to put that out there. Um, 
but yeah, I saw a trailer for this a few weeks back and I was like, oh, this looks good. Like, I'm interested. It basically showcased uh, the three drag queens helping uh, people have like a drag makeover put on a show. And it seemed like they were impacting their lives in different ways. They were experiencing different things or whatever and using the power of drag to help them uh, express themselves or whatever, right? Um, we watched the first episode that just aired and I liked it. I was a little bit concerned because like, uh oh, it's an hour. So I was not Oops. expecting that. But I liked, I, it makes sense that it's an hour because the three drag queens are actually working with three people. Yeah. Which I didn't know that's how it was structured. I thought it was going to be one person and the three of them are going to be helping that one person for an hour. And I was like, oh, God. Let's, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like, but I like that they had three different people with three different issues in their lives. Um, and I, I think that the thing that was very interesting about this show is, like, they're going to a town kind of unexpected and helping these three people, putting on a show where I guess maybe there's not a huge drag scene there. And I think sometimes with these shows, they try to capture like, look, everyone's accepting and look at us. Everybody loves each other. But they also showcase like, well, not everyone is accepting in different ways. One way was at the very beginning, which was a bit of a shock, but I think mm -hmm. a nice shock was like, Hey, they, they, they're in drag. They're going through the town. People are staring. Some people are approaching them. Other people are maybe being a little bit short, but whatever. And, but it seems fun and light and everything's great. And this segment lasts like three minutes. Great, great, great. They leave a store and then you hear the audio of somebody walking in the store afterwards saying, oh, I'm, I'm never shopping here again. You lost a customer letting those freaks in here and da 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 And you could hear the person who works at the store being like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. <laughs> the person's just like, okay. But I think that was a good moment that they showcased at the beginning to show like as much as they're trying to be like, this is fun and everyone loves each other. They're also showcasing like, well, no, there's a huge problem where people are not accepting and yeah they're going to encounter things like that. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really good. The three people, one person, I think he was a guy who, he missed his friend and I guess had to live back home for whatever reasons that I don't think they go into, but uh, he was just talking about not getting out there, not putting himself out there and wishing he could like his friend has, who has moved or whatever. And then there was a woman who... This was very interesting to go on to the not everybody's accepting. Yeah. A woman who is Christian who was very honest about her being like homophobic and yeah. to the point Anti -gay. that. Anti-gay. Yeah. And to the point that she had uh, basically told her daughter who came out to her as bisexual that, you know, she's going to hell or whatever. And her daughter basically just left her, like went to her dad's place and. She hasn't seen her daughter for eight months. And so that was an interesting story because she was basically trying to, she was trying her hardest to be more accepting, but she wanted to talk to her daughter, but her daughter's like, no, which yeah. is reality. Like, I think in these certain situations, people think like, okay, see, the parent came along, so now you should be okay. But it's like, that's so hurtful that I could see someone maybe never accepting that or taking a long time to accept that. Mm 
Um, and then the third person was a black man living in a town that like this town has Confederate flags in multiple places yeah. that they were just walking past. And he was talking about, I think he worked at a university. I don't know if his skill was specifically around race relations, but he was basically talking about uh, how it's hard being a person who's black in this town that still has like Confederate statues up and things like that, you know? And he's like, I want people to understand the struggles of being a black person. And I also want to make sure that I understand the struggle of being queer. And I'm hoping through this drag experience that will help me. I was yeah, like, wow. And he was saying that also he is an advocate and he's trying to work with, uh, uh, LGBTQ groups and stuff, mm-hmm. and he wants to, you know, understand that and be closer to that to be able to really understand. And you know, talked about how it related to like, you know, people understanding uh, the black experience, and uh, you know, this allows him to get closer to that to be able to help more effectively. Yeah. So I thought it was really good. It was yeah. funny. I think I cry. Yeah, I did cry during uh, one performance because they were they The performances that they did also are themed. Mm-hmm. So like the professors was themed on like the Civil War, <laughs> which seems very interesting for a drag yeah. performance to be a historical lesson. Um, but they did it. So, yeah. I, and then the mom's performance was like I just started crying. I was like, oh, God, you know, like so. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. What about you? Uh, I didn't quite cry, but okay. um, it was uh, it was very good. I thought the mix of the three different people with the three very different reasons for being there uh, was very interesting yeah. and uh, brought a really good dimension to it. Um, where you know the thing we can compare it to is Queer Eye, which we really like. I think I think it's very easy to compare it to Queer yeah. Eye because again, it's a group of queer people making over someone's life, right? Yeah, um, and it's it's not like the similarities stop there. You know, it's about the Queer Eye being you know transformation for that person and stuff uh, emotionally and things like that, and this also is like that as well. So. You know, not just the fact that it's, you know, like queer people doing this thing. It's just like the, you know, trying to help the person through an emotional time and, uh, you know, a transformation uh, through some sort of help they're giving um, makes it a very similar type of show. Um, But the way they're coming at it is obviously very different. You know, like Queer Eye, they're coming at it from, I think, a more traditional perspective of like, we are going to make the place you live different. We're going yeah. to work on you physically and yeah. emotionally and like kind of tackle it in these ways. Whereas this one is like, we are doing an experience that will bring you out of your shell and will open your mind. And that's kind of where that ends, which I think uh, is really interesting. And they're able to cover three people because it's not digging as deep in all of these areas, but it also does really um, provide a a similar amount of transformation um, that's very interesting, especially coming from these different perspectives of why they're uh, doing this, uh, which I thought was very interesting. I think also because these three people are not 
not they're not used to putting on a show period so they're in front of a group of people in their town now having to be entertaining on top of whatever else they're trying to do right yeah um, also the um they did a good job which i was very shocked by like you know i thought it was going to be like one of these things where they put on the show and it's like they suck, but it's like they tried. <laughs> yeah, you know? no, they but were good. Like, no, yeah. like they did a good job. For, they for, really tried, especially like the professor who's like, I don't know how to walk in these like yeah. heels. Like he did a good job. Like he was like he was like really dancing. The, the and fact stuff, that he you know? knew the choreography and was yeah. doing it, yeah, that is impressive, especially because I think they have a short period of time to learn everything. I would assume. Yeah. yeah so no, it it was very interesting. I think they did a good job, and I I'm looking forward to where else this show is going to go. Um, and yeah, I'm I imagine if you are knowledgeable about drag, you are maybe picking up on other things that we didn't. Um, the show also seems to be teaching these people about drag. So for us, we're like, okay, cool. yeah. They're, especially, I think Kyle, you were really <laughs> struggling with some of the terms, but like they explain it. So I mean, I think that's good. Um, yep. So yeah, I would recommend this show. Uh, it's on HBO. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. Um, let's see if I can find it. Oh, six episodes. So yeah, looking cool. forward to the rest. Uh, the next thing I watched is a documentary called Circus of Books. It's on Netflix. Um, it is a documentary that is done by the daughter of these two people who owned a bookstore in the L.A. area. Uh, I think specifically Silver Lake and West Hollywood called Circus of Books. Um, I had never heard of this before, but... Apparently, Circus of Books has a historical um, element to it related to the LGBT community because before it was a bookstore, it was a bar where uh, gay people would go. And uh, I think there was maybe some type of like uprising there before Stonewall as well. So like, you know, there's some like uh, historical stuff there. After the bar was closed, it was turned into a bookstore. The bookstore, I think, also sold um, pornography, and specifically pornography for gay men, I think. And um, anyway, the movie or the documentary is about this couple who kind of stumbled upon owning the bookstore. They are, it's one woman who is a very religious Jewish woman, and she's married to this guy who's not very religious. And mm. they end up um, selling pornography through this bookstore and not telling any of their family or friends about it. And their daughter is doing this documentary. And it goes over what's going on in the bookstore, how it worked, why it became so popular around, or around gay people, especially gay people in West Hollywood, and um, things like that. It was very interesting to watch. I really liked it. Uh, there's dynamics in this that are very interesting, especially regarding the mom, because she is religious, uh, but she obviously, um, you know, things about homosexuality in her religion. She was just like, well, you know, I love the people I work with, blah, blah, blah. Cut to her maybe finding out that someone who is related to her is a part of the LGBT community and her reaction is not what you would expect because 
you would think, well, she seems so open with her coworkers, wouldn't that be fine? But she has some conflict with her own personal belief in how she handled that situation. So yeah, I think the movie, uh, the documentary did a very good job in going into this random couple's life and how they met and how they just happened to get this bookstore. And you know, the person who's making the documentary, the daughter, she tells how she found out about the bookstore as a high schooler and you know, talking to her friends like, oh yeah, my parents own Circus of Books and her friends being like, the porn store? <laughs> and she's a high schooler learning about this for the first time. Even though she lived at home, her parents somehow were able to not tell them that it was a porn store. That, you know, like somehow they just didn't know. I didn't realize you watched this. I thought we were going to watch it together. Oh, yeah. No, I watched it a few days ago when it well, okay. I'd rewatch it. It's actually, I think, under 90 minutes, too. So mm. it's a quick watch. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. It's very interesting. It shows the complexity, I think, that a lot of people have with their religion and uh, sexuality. And something that I always think is so interesting, like when people who have a gay following seem to still have some homophobia when it's related to them. Like I, the yeah. person I think of immediately is someone like Cher, who is a huge superstar who has a gay following. But then when her child came out, was not good at handling it. Huh. It took a while to accept their child. So anyway, um, I guess there are plenty of people who are like, yeah, you can be gay. Like I, I don't have any pro. Like go ahead and do that on your own. You know, mm-hmm. and they're like. Because I'm not in somebody's business and it doesn't matter to me. Like, I'm not trying to control Possibly. you. I'm not trying to control you. But then when it's yours, then, yeah, then they have to actually confront their feelings about it, I guess. Yeah, there's a whole thing there. It also goes into, like, how, like, porn and politics mixed, like, how porn was banned and it goes into, this, like, like, legal stuff, like, how porn was illegal to, like, distribute as recent as like the 80s like it's just like very interesting stuff that i didn't realize like at this point i'm like well it's porn like who cares but it's like weirdly like oh no you can't you can't mail porn to a different state or something it's like what what? like i don't know anyway very interesting worth watching um the next thing we watched is a docu-series from explained on netflix it's called coronavirus explained and saw a one episode docu series. <laughs> I mean, so Explained is a docu series on Netflix from Vox where they do they have like three versions of this. They have Explained where it has two seasons and they have multiple episodes on random topics. And then they have Explained or The Mind Explained, which are multiple episodes all about the brain, right? And then they have Sex Explained, all about sex and like childbirth to like other things right so this is coronavirus explained i don't know if they i'm assuming they're planning on releasing more episodes in this as time goes on but who knows um obviously we are still dealing with what's going on in this pandemic um and the timing of this i'm assuming they worked on this recently because a lot of the things they were referencing were from like march so it was like a month ago um, but yeah, it goes into, it's, I think it was like the episode was like 26 minutes 
and it goes into what we know about the coronavirus so far, how it compares to other things, other viruses, other illnesses that have happened in the past, possibly what can be done. I think it briefly talks about what could be done, but obviously they don't know because <laughs> we don't know what's gonna happen with this whole situation and when it's gonna end. Um, I found some comfort in watching it because I'm sure many people can relate to just feeling a little bit overwhelmed by the situation and not knowing what's going on. Like you could read so many articles, but then like I, I have found sometimes that they contradict each other or like information that was relayed on Monday is now totally different by Thursday. Yeah, which could become a problem with this, I guess, but it mostly doesn't focus on things and facts that are not really solid yet. Yeah, they straight up um, were like, is there an immunity to this? We don't know. <laughs> like they yeah. like they're they're not, yeah. Um, but I I think what was good about it is yes, it's like everything was happening so quickly and there's so many different articles all of a sudden and stuff and so many aspects to look at. It was nice to have one organized look from beginning to end of now. Uh, oh, at least to today. Yeah, yeah of kind of having an idea of like, okay, what is this thing? How did this happen? Like how, how much were we prepared? What are the issues and how we weren't prepared? How can we prepare in the future? What are we doing now? All of these things kind of laid out in a more organized manner, which I think, you know, could be done with a large set of articles or something too. And I think it's nice that, um, uh, Apple News, for instance, has like a COVID nineteen section. I think if, almost every single thing has a COVID nineteen section. Okay, at this point. yeah, sure. Um, but that I find helpful because it just kind of collects all these things and has different sections of things you can look at. But again, to get this kind of from beginning to end, also knowledge of uh what happened previously with other pandemics which mostly is like the 1918 flu um and understanding the similarities and differences i think it did a really good job of laying that all out in a you know easily consumable fashion yeah i i totally agree i think that i did want to pause multiple times because i was like okay I'm frustrated, and then I would go into the whole thing, you know, because yeah. this whole situation has been difficult, I think, for many people. Um, so, yeah, if you, obviously, I would recommend this if you want to hear about something that's involving the coronavirus. I'm sure many people, there. I'm sure there are some people who are like, nope, not doing it, you know, like, yeah. and I totally understand that. I think I noticed that it was interesting because, this episode started referencing one of their previous episodes that was just released like in November of 2019 that was about pandemics. They just happened to do an episode on pandemics. So the beginning of this coronavirus episode is a lot of them pulling clips from their pandemic episode from a few months ago. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they were already kind of talking about the pandemic, which they do go into kind of like, there was some information out there to make us believe that a pandemic would happen soon. So anyway, I think it's worth watching if you are in the right mindset to have a 26 minute episode all about the coronavirus, you know, yeah. like, yeah. So I, I thought it was good. Um, Same here. All right. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about is dummy. Dummy is a 
movie from Quibi. So this is something oh, it's that... it's a movie? Yeah, this is something, in case you missed our episode of our first impressions of Quibi, we were referring to everything as shows, where I think some of the things we watched were technically movies, but it's uh, like, yeah, what's? Yeah. how do you know the difference? Like like that one with was Liam Hemsworth? Was a movie? Because, no. Okay. The one with Liam Hemsworth was a movie. What was that one? Whatever one that was where he was the guy who had to... Was it the most dangerous game? Was that? Oh, what it was that called? thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a movie. So, Dummy okay. is technically a movie. I don't, I don't okay. know how that makes it different. It's still all short form. Like one episode was like five or six minutes. Like, yeah. Uh, we watched the first three episodes. At the time of watching this, there were seven episodes available. I'm not quite sure how many episodes are in the entire season, but you mean the movie? Oh, yeah, true. Exactly. Episodes or segments, chapters. Yep. I don't know. Uh, but the IMDb synopsis is an aspiring writer befriends her boyfriend's sex doll and the two take on the world together. Uh, this stars Anna Kendrick and um, oh, what's the other actress's name? Oh, Meredith Hagner. Um, and we watched this because you love Anna Kendrick. Yeah, she's good. And I I like her at times. Um I think after watching this, I became a little bit maybe irritated with this Anna Kendrick uh role that she's been doing a lot. I think maybe she's being typecast. I I say this a lot, especially like with comedic actors that they have some some of them might have a shtick that they do in every role and sometimes if you're tired of that shtick you're like oh they do the same thing but depending on your preferences you might be like i love when they do this thing that's why i like them i always bring up seth rogan as an example seth rogan tends to do seth rogan in everything that he does yeah and i like that because i think seth rogan is funny so that doesn't bother me but i could see someone else being like Ugh, he's doing his Seth Rogen thing, whatever, right? With Anna Kendrick, she has this thing, and, and in this movie, she is doing the, like, oh, I'm talking really fast, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm still cute, right? Like, that thing that she does in everything. Yeah, that is a good characterization. <laughs> she, she does that, and as much as it may work sometimes, I'm personally not charmed by that, I think, as much as you are. So this character just like didn't work for me. And maybe that means every time she does this character, it's just not going to work for me. I don't know. But like in this show specifically, it didn't movie. work or movie. Yes. And when we were watching it, it's like the IMDb synopsis says she all of a sudden can start hearing the sex doll of her boyfriend talking. And, and seeing her talking. And seeing her speak. And then she's like, oh my God, am I having a mental breakdown? What's going on? And the doll is kind of like rude and like whatever. Not kind of, very. Sure. I did not like this at all. And my main thing was about the doll was too over the top just being, like, nasty for, like, no reason, really. And it was just, like, eh, it it wasn't that interesting. Yeah. They were, like, tackling some topics, but not in really a way that was 
engaging and yeah, it's just like no. And it was not funny. Yeah, so uh the doll is played by Meredith Hanger, who I like from Search Party. I think the disadvantage that this show has immediately is that we're not actually seeing Meredith Hanger. We're seeing the doll and it's like the CGI animation of her moving and it looks bad in my opinion. Yeah. It's it looks, not great. It looks really cheap. And I think that doesn't help. When we were watching this, I was like, huh, this really reminds me of this show I watched called Wilfred. And Wilfred, I watched the American version. I believe it was also based off an Australian version um, that had the same actor involved as Wilfred. And basically that was like this guy who I think had a mental breakdown and then was seeing a man dressed up in a dog costume, but nobody else could see that. And this man dressed up in a dog costume was also very rude and would say crazy things, but nobody else knew except for the main character played by Elijah Wood. Um, that is pretty similar to this. Uh, yep. I guess the difference is that they had the benefit of a man dressed up in a dog costume. So it didn't as crazy and weird as that sounds, it's still a human being. So it's not as weird versus this doll that had this like cartoonish animation that just didn't work. Apparently the writer or the creator of dummy was also a writer on Wilfred. So maybe that's why it seems very similar. Um, for me, I think that I, I don't really know where it was going. Again, we only watched the first three chapters and mm -hmm. it seemed to maybe be playing into the fact that Anna Kendrick might've felt a little insecure because these sex dolls are supposed to be like, um, built in ways that are like cartoonishly sexual, like very, very, like almost inhuman, like no way their waist could be that tiny, huge boobs, like these kind of things that aren't uh, natural in people. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, maybe it was going down that path. For me, I have a thing, whenever something tries to shock me with how sexual it is, I'm immediately like, that's not shocking. It's just like not, I'm not shocked by this. So like, I think a lot of the humor was supposed to be like, can you believe he has sex with this doll? Yeah. And for me, I was like, yes, yes, I can. Like, you know, like it, that's not shocking to me. That doesn't, I'm not like, whoa, why would he do? I'm like, no, I feel like I know why he's doing it. At. Like, got it. So anyway, we're not going to watch more of this, obviously, because especially because I'm surprised that even Anna Kendrick's charm made you want to watch, stop watching it after the first chapter her charm didn't make me want to stop watching it well it didn't work i'm sorry i, I said that wrong yeah no her the thing still has to be good okay yeah that doesn't do everything mm. it's it's part of what gets me to go oh i'll give it a shot yeah but then if i start watching the thing and it sucks then no yeah it was unfortunate that it wasn't better yeah I, I'm trying to think. I, I think what would have helped it was if we just saw a human being as the doll one. I think that would have helped tremendously. I yeah. think also, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people will watch this and be like, whoa, he has a sex doll? That's crazy. I'm and sure there are plenty of people who would say that. Sure, maybe. Maybe it's just me where I'm just like, uh, yeah, okay. 
next. Like, I just, like, I don't really think that's that wild. But I anyway. mean, I, I was thinking, why are you doing the sex doll when you have the girlfriend right there? That seems a little odd, but okay. Well, their relationship seemed to be very much like we like to do anything sexual and play into any yeah. uh, fetishes that we have and all this stuff. So they seem to be very open sexually, but then this doll really tripped her up, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's Dummy. It's on Quibi. It's technically a movie, and we watched three chapters of it. Uh, yeah. The next thing we want to talk about is the series finale of Homeland. Um, this is a show that, Kyle, you have watched from season one to now the final season, season eight. And I did not watch it, so you are going to tell us about it. And the finale was tonight. Yes, and you just finished the finale. So what did you think about this final season and how Homeland ended? Um, so maybe I should go a little bit on what I thought of the show overall first, real sure. quick. Um and you saw what? At least the first two seasons. I watched the first two seasons and you I You may have seen the third one. I think I stopped by season four. I was just like, yeah. this isn't working for me. Yeah, and I think the first few seasons were great. Um and I feel like when you stopped, yeah, it dipped a bit. Um and there were a couple seasons in there that were like a little more boring or something. Uh I can't even remember them that well to know if they were good or not. But, um, you know, uh, I stuck with it, which I'm glad I did, because this final season I really liked. It was great. Um, Not as good as season one for uh, some character issues that I'll be going over, but uh, the season was great overall. It... um, yeah, it just so, had, a, had a good story. I so do it. you think if somebody's like, oh, Homeland ended, I stopped watching in season four. Should I catch up? Would you say yes? Uh, I think you could probably watch season eight without having watched like season four through seven. Wow. Okay. Probably. And okay. not be too lost. Sure, 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 sure. Things are different, but uh I don't think it really relies too much. Okay. Uh, you know, it has some of it has some of the same characters and stuff, but you know them from season one to two to three. Um so yeah, I think you'd be okay there, actually, which is interesting to think about. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um some of my favorite characters throughout the series were Peter and Max. Uh, Peter, uh, you know, was her friend who, um, was the military guy and would, uh, do a lot for her. And then he had like, uh, well, I won't go over plot points right now or it's why not spoiler Why don't we moment. just say like, why don't we go into spoilers? But like, before we go into, because you're going to get into specifics. So yeah, I will. Yeah. So overall you're saying that season eight was good. Yes. Not as strong as the first few seasons, but good. And you were happy with how it ended. Yeah. The ending was very satisfying, was well done, I thought. Um, And yeah, it was it was great. Okay, so in case somebody is listening to this and they're like, I don't want it spoiled. We are now going to go into spoilers for Homeland, um, the final stuff. So go ahead and be more specific. Okay, so Peter and Max were my favorite characters. Uh, I was really sad Max got killed. 
this season. Uh, Peter got uh, killed off a little while back, um, which sucked as well. But uh, one interesting thing I found out was uh, in season six, Peter had a stroke from uh, something uh, that happened in the show. And that actually happened because the actor had hurt his foot, so they wrote around his character that season. Okay. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, season eight, let's talk about that specifically. Yeah. Um, and then I'll go into specifically the finale. But uh, in general, season eight, uh, I liked the uh, president who was... Uh, the president at the beginning of this season. He was a good actor, I thought, and uh, I thought he was really good in that role. And the character was good as well. Um, mm-hmm. Seemed to be presidential as well. Mm-hmm. Um, then he got killed, and I guess whoever hit was his vice president became president. However, the guy who was president was the vice president, um, because, Previously? Yes. Okay. So this new guy, after this guy gets killed, must have was vice president at the time, I guess, but I would assume must have been like secretary of state or whatever's next in line. Okay, um, yeah, it doesn't matter, but what's the point? Yeah, so the point is this guy was really naive, really impressionable, totally not prepared for the job, In a way that I thought was too much. Mm. Um, It was like a little unrealistic and kind of ridiculous. Like, he was just like, what should I do? Oh, what do you think? Like, and then he was like, so the overall with what they were doing, I thought was good. The story and what they were doing with it. uh, It was the acting a bit and also the writing for the character specifically, I think. Mm, okay. He was kind of like George Bush, but way dumber. Okay, okay. Um, or just, like, had no opinions of his own, it seemed. Sure. Um, and the... So he, he was like... his and, and this is where his acting also maybe was not so great, because he was a little bit, like, childish. Where he's okay. like, oh, yeah, cool. Like, no, just figure it out for me. I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> like he, literally kind of like that. Was a major element in this season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He had big decisions to make and, like, brought us to the brink of war and all mm. that, you know? And all because he was listening to this guy who came in who was uh, just saying, like, hey, you know, you got to show your strength. You're the president now, and blah, blah, blah. He's okay, like, so it seems oh, a you're little... Right. And okay. then he was, like, uh, supposed to talk to the, um, I think, Afghani um, general who became the prime minister or something. Um, and he... Uh, that guy influenced him. And it was just like, oh, my God, are you serious? Like, Sure. So, a little ridiculous. Um, on the same vein, there was this woman, Jenna, who was a CIA agent. And kind of a similar kind of vibe where, in a, in a way, she was, got played by Carrie so often mm-hmm. and just was so incompetent that it seemed 
pretty unrealistic to me. Um, where she was just like way too naive. Uh, mm. Now, overall, again, I don't think her acting was bad, but <laughs> okay. I think I think the writing specifically for her character wasn't good. But the place she had in the story and how the story was done with her was good. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, um, this is, and I'm assuming she was a major player in this final season. Yes, she was, and. So the interesting things were you thought like Carrie was going to take her under her wing because she's like, oh, maybe she'll be the new Carrie. And she did do that a little bit, but also completely played her in multiple instances and she never learned her lesson and she sucked. Um, But then also she did kind of teach her through her actions. So she like learned what it takes to really be good at that job by watching Carrie and seeing all the terrible things she has to do and decide between. And she ended up quitting because she's like, I can't make those types of decisions. Like I can't live with myself. Okay. And I thought that was a good storyline. It was interesting. And I thought that was well done. Just not the specific execution of the character. Okay. What about, characters that i mean the one the two characters i could think of like carrie and saul is that his yeah name? what did uh, as much as you were saying these two characters maybe weren't written well and the acting was poor what about their characters carrie and saul were they written well this season yeah did they have a nice ending yeah they were fantastic so okay. so those are the only two bad things i have oh for okay the good because i was like you said this was a good season yeah but yeah then you started Okay. It was good with the exception of that. And that's Got why it's it. not as good as season one. Mm-hmm. But overall, I thought the story was really great. Um, mm-hmm. And so aside from those two things, I thought all the other characters were really good. The acting was great. Um, Saul and Carrie had a really complex relationship that went through uh, multiple twists and turns throughout the season where... You know, she was in really bad shape and he, uh, you know, was checking up on her and then he really needed her. So he brought her out and, um, you know, the, um, he, some things happen and he realizes like, oh, it's my fault. And like, he, you know, feels responsible. So he's helping her more. And then she has a chance to, you know, get information to stop a war and she has to decide if she's going to ruin, if she's going to give up a source of Saul's that he won't even tell her about in order to uh, get this information. And she's just like, yeah, I have to. Like, it'll stop a war. Like, it doesn't matter that it's Saul and... I love him and, you know, not more than a does friend. That, but. Does that change their dynamic? Yeah. So, I mean, like, it gets to the point where he, um, his source, she finds out as much as she can, and then uh, the Russians have the information that she needs, and they're like, we need to know who this Russian source is. And she can't find out. She can't figure it out. She knows details, but she doesn't know who it is. And she confronts Saul, and he won't tell her. And so they're like, well, you have to kill Saul then. 
and she's, you know, doing everything. And so it's like, oh, my God, is she going to kill him? And so she. That seems weird. She has to kill him in order to get information that he has. Yeah, I'm see, assuming this no, no, is no. more com- complex. Well, so the, the, the one part of it is, like, whenever someone dies uh, in the CIA and... Uh, oh, their information is... They have along. they have a backup. Got and it. Okay. She's like, obviously, I'm his backup. Sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. So then you're like, oh, my God, is she going to kill him? And she, like, knocks him out with this thing and brings in a GRU team from the Russian guys. And they're like going to kill him and she's like just tell me because if you die i'm gonna get the information anyway and he's like no and then she's like okay plan b never mind and so they don't kill him and she goes and tells his sister that he's dead and says and she takes a shot thinking that he probably left the information with her in the event of his death okay so she said like oh do you have something for me and she did and then she found out the name that way gave it to the russian agents and then his source was about to be taken by the russian agents and she killed herself and so saul uh you know in order to not be captured and so saul uh you know, obviously was completely devastated. This is a source he had since, like, 1986 who, like, was behind, like, huge world events and stuff that she, like, sure. uh, helped and stuff. So, so I'm guessing the end of the show, they're no longer on speaking terms. So that is oh. the thing. And then, you know, Carrie runs away because, and she, like, defects and is, you know, going to another country, and then they skip ahead to two years later, I think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently she writes a book. She's living in Moscow with the Russian agent she was uh, talking with and stuff and made the deal with. And Saul's, like, giving up, moving out, not being in the agency anymore. And then he gets a book from Carrie, and it's a pre-release copy of her book with, like... uh what was it called? It was like why I did, you know, something like why I did what I did or something. And, um, and it seemed like the book was about like clearing her name and stuff and like going over, you know, what happened and stuff. And so she, uh, he, he used to, with his old Russian source, the way they would exchange information is, in the spine of the book, there would be uh, a little piece of paper, and there was one mm-hmm. from her, and she was passing information uh, uh, from Russia. And so now she has replaced that source, basically, and is now his asset. So he, like, smiles at the end. and Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was like, wow, yeah, that was a really good ending to that uh, relationship. Yeah, the Russian asset... In, that he had for decades. Yeah. Was that ever brought up in any previous seasons or we only learned about no, it in this season? Only okay. in this one. Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious. So that is an interesting ending that she replaced uh, the role that apparently was established for a long time. Mm-hmm. My thing with the show is that I know it originally started as a mini series, the way it was advertised. Like it was like, okay, sure. this show is about a, a guy who's held prisoner or a soldier held prisoner comes back but is he now working for, I forget who he was held prisoner by, but 
And I remember that being a very interesting concept. What I don't... Abu Nazir. That was his name. I remember now. Oh, who? The Who he was held prisoner by. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't think that was the name of this guy. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, Brody, Brody was the guy's name. Okay, yes. And so, I don't know. Once the show started to feel like it was trying to stretch that idea and also... Uh, not moving forward, at least in the first few seasons, that's when I dropped it. Um, it sounds interesting, like maybe they pulled it together at the end, but I guess part of me is curious, like, could this show have been its own thing and not the miniseries, if that makes sense? Like, how it's... I think, I think this, sh- the direction the show went is completely separate from the first couple seasons yeah so it could have been a totally different show yeah that's kind of how i feel too but But it's it's very interesting that that's what it was because yes the show morphed from like this one main story where you're like wow okay crazy and like that's it and like where do you go from there and it's like oh we just kind of follow her life and things totally change into a totally different set of stories. And, you know, I don't think that happens very often in a show. Well, I mean, it kind of does with a lot of shows, especially a lot of shows that are advertised as limited series or mini series when it's popular and they're like, Oh shit, we don't want to end this. So let's keep it going. Let's add a new storyline. Let's just change everything up, but we'll still have the same character because that's what people liked. That, that is something that happens very often. And I think many people, depending on the show or like, I don't like this anymore because the mini series element that ended in the first season is what it was. That's, that seemed to be a fully fledged out story for, I'm, I'm speaking in general, not just for sure. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that, uh, they were able to do something like that. Was there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, one last thing. I just have to point out the one terrible thing, which I, I showed you as well, mm-hmm. which was in the final episode there was a really bad editing point yeah. where the CIA guy uh, tells Anna that she's been compromised. That's the Russian agent, um, or sorry, the, the asset. Yeah. And then they like do a, a shot with him looking at her and it's clearly in slow-mo, like really slow and just looks terrible. It was a really weird moment. Yeah, I saw the moment because I was editing while you were watching, and I was like, what the heck? Like, yeah, that was obviously, I'm sure it didn't really play a major part into the episode, but it was just a weird no. moment editing wise. Yeah. Yeah, it was just. I so wonder if other weird. people will catch it because it's like a brief moment, but it's very awkward. Yeah, I mean, it was just like so obvious to me where I was like, what the heck just happened? I was like, rewound it. I was like, are you seeing this? Yeah, like, no, it was, it was weird. crazy. It was weird. Yeah, that was very, very odd. Because I've never, I've never seen any like poor editing like that uh, in the whole history of the show that I can think of. So it was very odd to me. Yeah, that was. Strange. But anyway, yeah, season was great. The ending I thought was awesome, um, and yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, I was like, I thought you were gonna <laughs> say one more thing. Okay. Yeah, I was like. Uh... <laughs> Okay, yeah, so that is Homeland, uh, the series finale on Showtime. All right, let's go on to our next topic. One thing we wanted to talk about before we ended the show is that 
it has been two years since we released our first episode of the podcast. About Avengers uh, Infinity War, right? Yes. Yes. Wow. Uh, and so uh, I think we just wanted to say thank you for listening. If I don't know if you may not have been listening since uh, we released that first episode, but just thank you for listening. And uh, I think when I think back on two years, I feel like I feel like we've gotten better at doing the podcast right yeah i think so yeah I, I think it's gotten better and i don't know if structurally a lot has changed but i think i just think that we have improved in the two years which is good to think about because that would suck if we're like uh it's still exactly the same <laughs> and the first yeah. episode was a bit rough but yeah no i i just want to say thank you to anyone who's listening to us Especially if you happen to find our podcast early on and you're still listening, that's great. Um, not yeah, much. And, and oh. Feel free to, um, you know, the nice thing is if you're like, oh, I may want to watch some old movie or some movie that came out a few years back or something, you can always just like scroll through our list real quick or search and see if we talked about it already to see what our Yeah, definitely. Were. I think, I think. In 2018, 2019, we made a strong effort to, I mean, we already were seeing movies and watching TV, but I think we made a strong effort to go even out of our own comfort zone and see things that maybe we normally wouldn't have seen yeah. in theaters or watch TV shows that maybe we would have been like, eh, whatever. So like, I, I think, yeah, definitely, if you're looking back on what has come out since 2018, we may have done an episode on it or at least talked about it briefly. Um, but yeah, I think the main difference now between the two years is that we also launched our Patreon, which, you know, is still like a thing we're working on, but that in case you aren't aware, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash offscreen babble, where we have a bonus episode. We just started it last month. So there's one bonus episode that's on the talented Mr. Ripley. Um, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we discuss, Different things like what was our favorite thing we watched, what we're looking forward to watching, projects that we're working on, stuff like that. And then the Let's Babble About videos that I just started. Again, there's only one right now, um, but I'm still working on the next one. And yeah, you'll get access to that before it's available on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I think that's nice that we, after two years, we're kind of branching out and doing something a little bit different or extra. Yeah, I um, think also uh, the main thing that you kind of brought up uh, is that I think uh, we've become more open-minded uh, about not only media we consume, but as an extension of that, just more open-minded in general from, uh, you know, being open to seeing different things and uh, watching things we previously wouldn't have and learning more about things through documentaries and stuff sure. uh so yeah I, th I think that's been really good yeah i think that if i have to think about like a goal that i want us to get to maybe by our third anniversary uh would be that i want us to continue to try to see more independent films which is something that i think many people probably realize how difficult it is because even us being in the Bay Area, sometimes they don't come here or if they do, they're only in one theater and it's like slightly inconvenient for us to get to things like, you know, like I think that I want us to try to do that more. Obviously right now <laughs> everything is on pause. So when 
things hopefully go back to normal, we can try to see more independent films. Um, yeah, that may not be able to be a three-year thing. It may be a four-year I know, at this rate, because everything is closed. So, yeah. But I, I just want us to try to see more films like that because um, I've always been open to independent films, but I'm always like, I'll just wait until it's available to watch. But then, like, waiting for it to be available to watch sometimes is a really long time, and you kind of miss out on the conversation that's happening when it comes out. Uh, at least for the people who are able to see it. I think I think independent films are hard or any limited release thing is difficult because not everyone can see it. But I want us to try to at least watch more of those things. And um, yeah, I think we're doing an interesting thing with the streaming services that are coming out now by doing our first impressions. Mm-hmm. And let's see how long <laughs> that goes because... There's HBO Max coming out in a few weeks. Yep. Peacock coming out in a few weeks. Or something. Or something. It's out now. I, I don't know. And then it's, that's it, right? There's no more. <laughs> For right? now. Yeah, I just feel like Maybe. by the time we're like, okay, we made it, there's going to be like five more streaming services. But yeah. Also, we'll please uh, email us directly at offscreenbabble at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook even um, with any suggestions you have for the show. If um, you know, you'd like to do have us do more of something we do or have us tackle something we've never done before uh, that you think might be interesting or open our minds to something uh, feel free to write in about that. We'd love to get any feedback. Yeah, definitely. I'm very interested also if people would like a follow up on these streaming services because we keep doing you know, Apple TV Plus first impressions. But I would be very interested if we did Apple TV Plus. Okay, it's been what? I don't know, five months, six months impression. Like, that what title are title seems a little long and rambly, but okay. Yes, I wouldn't make that I'm the title. <laughs> but you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, reflect because as excited as we were about Disney Plus. I'm like, well, there's not really much to watch on Disney Plus right now. Like, I was looking forward to the Marvel shows, which now are delayed. Sure. And so it's like, okay, what are we watching on Disney Plus? Not much. You know, like, yes, there's yeah. a, we don't have children, so we're really not watching it. I'm sure other people who have kids might be watching it more often. Yeah. Um, or like Apple TV Plus, like, we're not really watching that. You know, so like, anyway, very curious what everybody thinks. Definitely let us know. And, Like I said, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Let's end the show. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and also make sure to subscribe. You can follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at OffScreenBabble. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash OffScreenBabble. If you have any feedback or suggestions, please email us at OffScreenBabble at gmail.com. All right. Bye. Bye.